Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. We're five days away from the draft. Four days. I don't know how time works. Depending on how you look at time. Um, that's Sam. We've got Sam here with us, Alex as well. And we're going to start out by talking a little bit about um, how time has changed our opinions of the NBA, of the draft process, of what to look for in prospects, all these things. Um, those of you uh, longtime listeners will remember our instant reactions from last year's draft, where um, Alex was just hopping mad about what the Thunder did. Um, and time has not been kind <laughs> to that um, interpretation of events. Um, so I, I think let's let's just get into that right away. Alex, um, so first off, t- take us back to where you were last year and how you felt about the draft, um, how you felt about what the Thunder did. Yeah, so I, I definitely, at the time, like going into the day of the draft, you know, there was the whole thought process of, oh, we're actually going to trade up and get, you know, Evan Mobley or whatever, or we're going to take, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, James Booknight, and we wound up taking Josh Giddy. And in my mind at the time, I just didn't see a guy that, really fit my eye for what I want to see from a basketball player and like as a fit with this team specifically I thought you know I I talked a lot about you know balance of athleticism and skill and how we were slanting way way too much towards skill and you know in listen you know I went back and listened to that podcast yesterday actually just to kind of you know try to remember kind of what I was specifically complaining about um and it was just, I think it was just kind of a, a dumb way to look at things. You know, it was like a very, you know, single-minded way of looking at the NBA and looking at basketball. And, you know, I think you guys know that, you know, I think I watched one preseason game of Josh Giddy and I was like pretty much sold on him. Like it was like, oh, he can do that. I had no idea. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, I just think that, it was, it was a silly way to think of things and overvaluing some things like athleticism um, and undervaluing, like you look at a guy like Josh Giddy. I don't understand really how I looked at him and was like, he's not going to be a successful NBA player when you just, all you have to do is watch the guy in the way that he sees the game of basketball, you know, like there's no way a guy like that is going to fail um, because, and it's not like he's, you know, six one, he was like a six foot nine point guard that can see everything is one of the best passers in the world. And I don't, I don't even know what I was really thinking at the time, to be honest. Well, I think part of it, um, you know, you bring up, you know, he's not six, one, he's like six, he's six, eight, six, nine. Um, I think that his size didn't really become real to us until we saw him in proper action. Um, because I honestly, that was the most surprising thing about Giddy coming to the league was like, wow, he's like big. Like he is like, I, I stand by the idea that he will grow into being a true four in size. Um, and, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the wingspan to be like an incredible defensive four, but um, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to become big. Um, and that's, that, that was one thing that I think that we were both underrating. Um, and then I think, I do think the, there was like some like rightful skepticism about whether, you know, his functional athleticism would have any would actually be functional in the NBA. 
um, as opposed to the NBL. Um, but I do think the thing that we were underrating was the degree of like, holy cow, this kid can beat the game. Um, and that's like, if you look at the, um, like the spectrum statistics in terms for his like, rate is passing, you know, he's like in the top two percentile of everything except for scoring gravity. Right. And it's like, that's, that is what he brings. Um, and yeah, I think you're right that like, given, you know, given that probably should expect success. I don't have anything to ruminate on personally. Um, I think I kind of nailed it on the head a little bit. Um, and part of it was just getting to, you know, be the, the dichotomy to Alex and playing a little devil's advocate and maybe leaning into things more than I actually believed at the time. But I think we kind of, we saw the floor with Giddy that I kind of thought would be there a year ago. Um, secondary creator, perfect for that role. And like Brian just said, if he can create the scoring gravity for himself, then he is an elite number one option. Just, you know, how he'll be able to find those passes even easier if people are collapsing in him on him in the paint. Um, the three-point shooting was not there really last year. The step backs were incredible so if you just watch twitter and you see that boy nice then you know you think josh giddy has a, a bright future ahead of him so it'll be exciting to see where he goes and who presty will kind of pair with him and shea for the future yeah and you know i think you know this season he showed just during different parts of the season he showed so many different things you know there was that that time period and you know maybe there's some concern with this but the time period where he was playing without shea um, and just kind of running the team as the primary initiator, like he was awesome. Like he did mm-hmm. a lot of really nice things. I, you know, there was the the Madison Square Garden game triple double. You know, or I think what he had like twenty seven points or something. Like mm. he, I didn't know that he was gonna have that ability. Like in my mind, I was thinking like, eh, he's gonna be like this connector guy that can't really shoot, and hopefully he can at some point. And then that was, you know, and it was just wrong like just mm-hmm. straight up and like so i think you know i still believe that you need a a certain level of athleticism on your teams but you can't you can't scoff at the idea of having the kind of skill set that a guy like josh giddy would have mm-hmm. and even you know past him like because you know i could have maybe gotten over the giddy pick if if the other picks i had liked more but like jeremiah robinson earl i think i just completely undervalued like you know, I, I looked at his athleticism, you know, as like, he's not a vertical athlete and he's not that, but he's a really solid lateral athlete. You know, like there were a lot of times this season where he was switched out on guards and he looked fine, you know, and I don't think he's going to be elite in that way, but I don't think he needs to be, you know, he, you don't really need to be that elite um, on that specific skill as long, you know, if you can do the other things that he can do, I think he's going to shoot it fine. You know, he's a good screen setter. He's going to pass it pretty well. Like he just knows how to play the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think just the idea of the Thunder drafted four guys last year that are all just good at basketball. And that is certainly something that, you know, they may not be the perfect fits together, but if you get enough good basketball players on a team, you're going to build a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. And that, that was kind of my looking at last year was trying to take a step back. They weren't like we talked about. They weren't the guys that any of us would have drafted. It's not what we were used to seeing out of Sam Presti. But if you, you know, looked at it from a macro level and saw, okay, this is what Presti is going for. 
we trust him as a smart guy. We know what he's doing, obviously. So if you look at it through that lens, yeah, all, like you said, all these guys at the time were probably the highest level of basketball IQ on the board. They were the high, they had the best feel as far as the prospects left on the board. And so when you look at it that way, you're like, okay, this is exactly what he's going for. And he's probably right. And he got the best guys to accomplish that vision. And turns out in retrospect, he, I mean, early signs pointing to going four for four with the guys as far as like usable players. You know, we're not saying right. Trey Mann's going to be a starter and, you know, be next to SGA and Josh Giddy, but like he's, he's a quality player. Same with JRE, same with Wiggins. Um, looks like he can, you know, hold down 15 to 20 minutes a night as a wing. So it's an encouraging to see, and it'll be interesting to see where Presti builds off that this year. Does he keep leaning into that feel? Or like Alex said, you have to have some athleticism at some point. If you're confident in all four of those guys, high feel, maybe lower athleticism guys going forward, do you swing for athleticism this time? Do you like what, what's the philosophy going forward now? Um, it'll be interesting to see what we do with the the picks after number two. Yeah. Um, in sort of the grand tradition established um, in last year's podcast, I want to overreact to the NBA finals real quick. Um, and I think if if you were looking at this year's finals um, and trying to come up with a reason to say that it supports what Presti did last year, um, I think you would say, like, you look at the Celtics as a team that, like, were probably athletically superior to the Warriors, right? That had guys who can make shots, that had guys who can guard multiple positions. You know, they were able to switch almost everything. Like, this is this was a team that was, like, physically and um, in terms of, like, shot-making ability um, skilled enough to win an NBA championship and what they, the reason they didn't is that there were periods of time where they just didn't know how to fucking play basketball. Mm -hmm. Like just the inexcusable turnovers. Like they played stupid and lost the championship because of it. Um, I think I've I've said all all playoffs, like, like Boston should have beat Miami in four or five games. Like they were that much more talented than Miami. And they like, they fucked around for, a couple games where they would just, they turned it over like 20 plus times and they would just lose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Boston, I think from a talent standpoint, you just look at it at the matchup on paper with the Warriors. I thought they were going to win the series. Right. But you are correct. Like they, everybody on that team, basically they didn't have a guy like Josh Giddy who like his primary skill as a basketball player is connecting everybody and creating plays for everyone. You know, like Jason Tatum's become a good playmaker, but he's coming from a place where he really wasn't much of one at all. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown's not a good playmaker. Marcus Smart has become a good ish playmaker, but it's still Marcus Smart. He still is a weird shooter and he does just some weird shit every now and then, you know? So like really probably the most like natural for his position, like connector and player like that is Al Horford on that team. And he's 35 years old. So you're absolutely right. Like they did not have like they, it's almost like they just needed a guy that was going to settle things down at times mm-hmm. whenever, you know, and they, you know, they kind of banished the point guard position. And, and sometimes it looks incredible, you know, when Tatum's on his game, which he just wasn't in the finals and that's okay. Like he's a young guy. 
Um, I think Tatum, if Tatum has a leap to make in regards to ball handling and playmaking, then the Celtics are going to be really freaking nasty to deal with because the thing that made them so incredible, incredibly good was that they just didn't have any weaknesses on defense. They didn't Mm -hmm. play any bad defenders. Um, So it got them this year. Um, But I, you know, I think more than anything, the way that I view basketball is that they're, they're just, there's more than one way to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. like you need the, you need the most amount of talent as you can get. You need the highest number of good basketball players that you can put on one team and then you've got to try and figure things out. You know, if the Thunder get a team of like eight really good basketball players, but they don't fit together, then you that's a good problem. You can start kind of moving things around and like, oh, this guy's available in the trade market. We have a couple of guys they would probably like. We'll trade them with a couple picks. And then you bring in guys, you know, the Celtics, they had they get they brought in Derek White this year. That was a huge signing for them or a huge trade for them. Um they traded for Al Horford. Like that was a, a big deal for them. So, you know, I think it was just, I don't know. I guess my, my thought process a year ago was just like the Thunder have to build like the ideal team, like in the next two drafts or something. And they have in, they just have way more time than that. And they have enough assets and there are enough players around the league that can fit what they might want to do at some point that they're going to be able to acquire as long as they just get good basketball players on their team. Mm-hmm. And I think it also like I think having like smart guys who know how to who like understand how to play basketball um, like increases the versatility. Um, more things fit when people understand more. Right. I think it widens what you're able to do. Um, and so that's when you have a guy like Josh Giddy, who I think, you know, is theoretically somewhere between one through four in the future of this team. Um, and it's not because he's an astonishing defender or like a lights out shot maker, but he's just a guy who wherever he is in this lineup is going to maximize his skill set there because he understands how to play basketball really well. And I still, you know, I, I like last year, I remember Sam Bassini talking about of all of the guys that, where if they could shoot at guys, Giddy was the one that he was the most confident, confident in developing that shot. Like that's still a thing. Like he, you know, he can develop his shot. And if he becomes a league average shooter, and if he gets to where he can shoot off the dribble, even if it's just in the mid range, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's just a really reliable floater, which he showed at times this year, like he's going to be really hard to deal with, you know, and he's going to get a lot stronger where he's, you know, if you put a smaller guy on him, he's just going to be able to body him a little bit and kind of, you know, just take advantage of those kind of situations. So, you know, I'm, I'm super high on Giddy. He's, he's genuinely my favorite player on the team now. Like I like him more than Shea, like, and I'm not saying he's better than Shea, but I just, I like watching him more than I like watching Shea. Um, But yeah, I mean, really, I just, I don't think I'll ever be in a position where I will react to a draft like I did last year. I think that was like the one that was just like, come on, don't sell yourself short. What are you doing? You know, now, I mean, maybe they draft like, you know, Dyson Daniels at two, and then I, I might have a meltdown this year, but mm-hmm. you know, short of something <laughs> crazy, which I, I like Dyson Daniels, but you know, short of something crazy, I, I I'm going to let things play out a lot more than I, <laughs> than I did last year where it yeah. was, you know, but um, real quick, how how do you guys feel just overall about 
where the Thunder are now. Like before this draft, you know, like how do you feel like players on the team, like essentially how many guys on this team are important to you in terms of development? Because I know last year, this time, I think all of us were kind of fans of Teo Maladon. I don't think there's any of those at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we were probably higher on Poku a year ago than maybe we are right now. So like just kind of a check-in, like how do we feel about the the process that the Thunder are kind of in right now and, and pre this draft? How do you how do you guys feel about it? I think it'll just depend on you know what what clues we get from Presti and from the the start of the season where we think we're going. Are we gonna spend another season? to just see what happens and then try and get as high in the draft as possible and let guys develop another year and essentially getting these guys G league reps against NBA competition, which I think has been invaluable for guys like Giddy. Um, as long as you don't have someone that's scared of the moment and is going to develop bad habits doing that. I think that's incredible to get to have. Um, it's a lot better just to get to go out there and play against NBA talent and figure it out as opposed to just going and figuring it out against G league talent. So if we, you know, are going for that this year, then I'm perfectly fine with like, I'm, I'm still not giving up on Teo Maladon quite yet just cause he's so young and I would want to see it if they're going to, you know, give him the time to do that. If it, for me, it all depends on what's going on internally with Shay. Is he cool with like, never like playing half of a season and making, you know, 30 something million dollars this year. That sounds awesome to me. If when I were that age, um, maybe he's getting bored with not playing basketball so much. Maybe he just wants to win already. And if that's the case, then I think you um, have to be fine with cutting bait on guys like Poku and Teo Maladon. Um, you want to keep Lou Dort around as opposed to trading him while he's still, arguably one of the most valuable contracts in the league. Um, so I think whatever direction we go, I, I think Shea is at that level where you consult him heavily. And if he wants to win, I think we're in a position to start winning. And I think we're in a position to make a push easily for the play in this year. And um, Maybe you're making a push for a six seed this year, depending on how ready uh, the guy you draft is and what you can do with, you know, trading some prospects for maybe some immediate talent. Um, I think we're can be a playoff team this year. And then if guys progress a lot, you're pushing for a top four seed next year. Or I think if, you know, your most important players are cool with, you know, waiting it out and chilling one more year, then that's fine as well. And I think, you know, you could still be pushing for a 10 seed if you want to while, letting a bunch of guys get minutes um, and not necessarily, you know, getting the, the masses riled up about your tanks. I think there's a, whatever range OKC wants to go, they can go. And I'm not going to say what is the right or wrong way to do it. Cause you know, I'm, I don't get the, the privilege to pick the minds of our most important players in that process. So I, I think I'm definitely more, sorry, Ryan. No, I go think, ahead. You know, whereas this past year, like, we needed to lose as many games as possible. Like that was obvious. And, you know, it mm -hmm. wound up working out and the tanking that we did at the end of the year was kind of abominable. Like it was, it was impressive stuff, but mm -hmm. the, this next season, I, I think it's, you know, to use a Sam Presti term, like, I hope I get this right. Like 
he talks about letting a team kind of announce itself for whatever, mm-hmm. whatever he says. Um, so I, I think that, you know, going into this year, I don't, I don't think we should trade any of the young chips or whatever. Don't trade any picks. Don't trade any of the young guys, but just, you know, if Poku's ready to take a step, I'm not out on Poku. Um, I think he's still, I don't necessarily know if he has, I don't think he has like all-star upside. Like maybe we might've thought at one point, but I think he has good role player upside. Um, and declare itself. That's what Sam Presley says. He says he wants to let a team declare itself. Um, and so I think doing that again, and honestly, you know, if we could do that and, you know, everybody's playing okay, but we don't win that many games and we want to, you know, 28, 30 games, I think that would be a really good result for next year. Um, and then, you know, maybe the last 10 games of the year, you, you do the same type deal where you shut everything down where instead of like the entire second half of the year, it's just, you know, 10, 15 games, you know, to where then you're playing for, for a lottery spot, you know, maybe you can get up to sixth or fifth or whatever. Um, and then you never know what can happen from there, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you go back and you listen to Sam's press conference, Sam Presti, not our Sam, not Davis. Of course. Yeah. Unfortunately, haven't you had should do one some yet. press conferences sometime. That'd get fun. Step in. <laughs> um, and I, I think he makes it pretty clear what the what the team's outlook is. And I think he's probably um, in the right spot in terms of just, you know, let the team show us what it is. And if they're playing meaningful games, then good. And if not, then, you know, we'll focus on development more. Focus on, focus on development. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I'm down to watch Xavier Simpson do some more hook shots. Honestly, you know, we need a few games of that next year. I'm okay with that. Um, but in terms of guys, you know, I think um, with Teo, it's just I'm not sure where the leap is going to come. You know, maybe he just becomes like a lights out catch and shoot guy. And then it's like, okay, now he has a place on an NBA team. But absent that, like, you know, he just um, he just feels like he's plateaued in every skill, and the result is that he's kind of mediocre at everything. Um, so, you know, I'm not like I'm not completely out on him, but I just don't know where he goes from here. Um, I feel like I probably have the longest runway I'm willing to give Poku out of all of us. Like, I think this might be a thing where we should check back in in maybe three years, but. Um, We'll see. I, I, I am interested, I think, and it's, you know, there's a degree to which maybe it's a mirage because this was sort of the case last year too, but towards the end of the season, um, like I think he was showing real improvement. Um, and the, uh, and I think that, you know, the reports we were getting in was like, like he's finally starting to come into his body more. Like he's finally able at that point, like he can get through a practice without being completely like destroyed. Um, and like, I think the result was showed in his play, which honest, like, you know, Alex talked about him becoming a role player, which is like the one thing that we thought was impossible. And I think it's just like, he's become a lot more solid because he's not freaking wiped out all the time. Um, and so I, I'm willing to give Poco a lot more, uh, range. I'm going to have to step away for a bit. So you guys keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, 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 
willing to i think it'll be interesting to see or i think the the indicators of the future are going to hinge on kenrich and lou dort because those are the kind of two guys they're very tradable contracts right now any any team 29 teams in the league would love to have them if they're trying to compete this year um so if, i think if we keep those guys and wait it out on this i think are they both on their last years of their deals coming up um I know I can't remember. Is. I can't remember Ken. Um, but if we you know want to hold on to them, they are both very obviously good role players for playoff teams, and I think it's a sign that we ourselves want to compete. Um, mm-hmm. And if we move one or both of them, I think it's very obvious that maybe we're taking one more year to let you know some of those other guys develop, let Teo and Poku and Baisley get those you know NBA reps some more and then next year we try and take that leap with whoever i can't even think do you know off the top of your head who would be like the 2023 draft class i don't know if there's any there's any you know jabari parker type saviors in that class as of right now it's it's victor wimbenyama all right that's the guy yes i don't know if if you try and tank and pair victor wimbenyama with uh, presumably Chet Holmgren um, or what you do. Love it. <laughs> uh, that would be insanity. I would put a, a middle linebacker at center and I would decimate <laughs> the Thunder's two most important players within the first couple minutes of a game. But um, so yeah, it'll just, I think there's a million past we can go. And I think we should be able to tell pretty early in the season what the plan is going to be. Um, hope that what, whatever what it is, fans respond to it. What would I prefer? I mean, the the politician answer in me is, yeah, I prefer whatever Shay wants. Um, yeah. what if if Shay is cool, Shay's like, that. I'm cool with anything. You 100% believe him. I think I'd prefer, you know, waiting it out one more year and seeing, yeah. um, seeing what you can get max value for. I don't want to just, you know, scrap anything I can for a second round pick like Sam Hinkie. Um, but if, you know, someone's willing to give up Let's say Atlanta wants to compete this year. They'll give up, you know, Jalen Johnson and, you know, a high second round pick or something to get a, a Lou Dort type that you might lose in a year anyway. Yeah, do it. Um, or if you can get more stack, more first round picks so that you have them spread out across a bunch of drafts instead of having them consolidated um, in these next coming drafts for, you know, Kenrich Williams, if you can get a first for him or something. Um, yeah, I do it, but I'm not just getting rid of them just for the sake of doing it. So I think you, you go with what brings you the most value. I think if, if there's value for those guys and Shay's cool with it, trade them, stack it up. I think you're set up well for next year. If you can't do it, then go out there and win. Winning's fun. Um, these, we, we could easily have a a Memphis type season. I think if things break right, teams don't take the regular season as seriously, We've obviously seen the Thunder be tryhards when they shouldn't be. So, like, I'm not going to predict OKC is the second overall seed next year. But I think it's, you know, if, if they are trying all out is within their range of outcomes for Chet to be a rookie of the year type, for Shea to, I mean, be, be better or as good as Ja Morant, for Josh Giddy to be a very good quality number two. I think it's within the range of outcomes to be like a, a – 50 win team so that that would be fun to do if everyone if your three most important guys hit their ceiling 
Um, I think they're a high quality team that would be too early in their timeline to win anything seriously, but it would be a fun time. It could get the the Paycom Center rocking. Do we have a fun nickname for the Paycom Center? Uh, I don't. I don't. That's that's a shame. That's uh, yeah. they need to do something with that. Yeah, they need to figure something out. Branding's everything. Like yeah. FedEx Forum, that's a good name for a rocking stadium. Right. It's just it's it's the name of a a brand, but it's a good name for a stadium. Yeah, I don't I don't know if, if people maybe called it like the com or something. The com. I don't think that works very well, but the peak unfortunately was the great. Peak, the peak was good. The yeah. peak was good. So what whatever you can do if you if everyone's all in and you want to buy into just being a good team this year, I think it's there and you can get excitement going again. Um there are just so many factors that go into it. Um I'm you know not necessarily envious of trying to balance all that. Yeah, I I think it's I don't think the Thunder have anywhere close to this feeling of to have like a Memphis type season. If you can mm. have that season, then do it, sure. Um, but to me, next year I think is likely to feel more like an NBA season that we've kind of known all our lives, just because the the off season is gonna be a real off season. So teams are gonna be it's just gonna be, I feel like a little more normal like the last three years essentially have been just super weird um and i think that the fact that the thunder were so willing to try hard every night has been a huge advantage for them i think Mm -hmm. there's going to be more teams that step up you know and Mm -hmm. or i'm I'm hoping that's the case you know just it would make for better basketball across the league but um so i i think that lowers the ceiling of, of what the thunder could get and from a regular season win standpoint Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would much, much, much prefer sucking again, you know, yeah. like I would, you know, I know Shay, like, you know, you know, Shay's gotta be okay with it, but if Shay's cool with, oh, I've got another ankle thing or whatever, like I would do it, you know, mm-hmm. because getting another high pick next year and putting that with what we have, you know, if we, if we hit, especially if we hit on two, you know, if we hit on 12 too, like that, mm-hmm. then you're, you're really looking at a team that's like, oh shit, there's a lot of high end talent on this team. Mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not all perfectly fit together. Like I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then you go trade it for, I don't know, whoever, you know what I yeah. mean? Because I think a lot of teams, you know, when they, when they start, you know, when they want, when they trade stars, a lot of teams are looking for good players and not picks. You know, hmm. if we have those good players on the roster and then you can supplement those players with picks, then it you're an easy choice to make hmm. a, to make a high end trade or next year at the draft or whenever you can make a trade in the draft. You know, hmm. like, oh, we're at five. We want to get to three, you know, can can make that super easily, hmm. you know, like because this year the Kings are really interested in, in trading number four. But I don't think the Thunder have anything really worth offering to them you know mm-hmm. I, I don't think dort or kenrich is enough you know even with picks to to mm-hmm. give them what they want they want a guy that's going to help them make the playoffs and mm-hmm. i don't think dort or kenrich is like that guy they can help a team but they're not going to make you they're not going to mm-hmm. take you from being a non-playing team to a playoff team that's not mm-hmm. a thing that happens so um but if you could maybe get a couple guys like that 
then trading for a superstar becomes a lot easier. So, yeah. Um, so, so I, what do you would, think? Hmm? What do you think? Let's say two years from now. Okay. See, that's, that's when you think they have the potential to be a Memphis 2022 kind of team, make that leap, luck into a, a second seed. Do you think that that path is what makes them in two years most likely to get there? Or do you think they need to practice winning this year, figure out how to do that a little bit, and then two years from now? What do you think puts us on that path? I don't think we're two years away from being that Memphis team. I think we're three. Really? Yeah, I really do. Like, I think I think next year, like the year after that, we could start – you know, Memphis was a – I mean, Jaws' second year, he was – they were a, a play-in team that made the playoffs. Right. Think, right. I think we could do that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of like Presti has made the statement that he wants the the playoff appearance to, to not be an appearance and it to be at a rival. Uh-huh. That's kind of what Memphis has seemingly done. Like they went from being a seven or eight seed to being like the number two seed in the mm-hmm. conference. So I, I think that that is potentially what we could what we could be in for three years mm-hmm. from now because okay but so you, you know, think that seven seed will have to come two years from now you think if we try and get to that next year be too early or unattainable I okay. yeah i think it's unattainable next year personally barring some kind of big trade that we don't i don't think we'll make i mm-hmm. don't think we'll make a trade for you know like if we were to trade for you know and get deandre ayton in here and and maybe another guy that's mm-hmm. already a good player sure but we're not going to do that. I think we're going to mm-hmm. draft, you know, probably Chet. And I don't think Chet's going to be this like immediate force, you know, like I, I like Chet a lot, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take him two or three years to be like a true every night winning center, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if you draft, if you get a high pick in 2023, they're probably not going to be great their first year. You mm-hmm. know? Like if they are, then cool. You know, maybe we can make a run, but it'll probably take him a year or two mm-hmm. um, to to really be that kind of guy. And which is why I think in three years, you know, you're looking at a team that could be something. And if and if the Thunder in three years go on this path, they add another really talented player next year. They hit on two and twelve this year. I think they're going to be in a lot better position than Memphis because I'm not sure Memphis didn't hit their ceiling this year. Mm-hmm. You know, because like John Morant is phenomenal. How much more productive can that guy get? He was so mm-hmm. freaking good this year. He was a top 10 player this year. Is he going to be the best player in the NBA? I don't mm-hmm. think so. How much better can Desmond Bain get? I don't, I don't think he can get much better. Mm-hmm. You know, Jaron Jackson. I think Jaron Jackson kind of is who he is. He's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I worry about Memphis. I mean, I don't worry about him, but like, I, if I were predicting, like, I'm not sure Memphis is going to just be able to do, do this every year and like take step by step and, and be, be in the finals in a couple of years. Oh, for sure. I'm just not yeah. seeing And then, that. and then you're in a bad spot. You're, you know, what the Atlanta Hawks were for so long right. or what the Pacers were for so long. You're a perennially good team. Um, you're but what, what is that? What the Memphis Grizzlies were. Yeah. What the you Memphis what, Grizzlies you know were with I mean? maybe a little bit of higher end talent. I mean, your, your best talent before is Zach Randolph, Rudy Gay, Mike Gasol. Conley. So yeah, Pal Gasol or Mark Gasol. Um, so yeah, I think jaw probably has higher end talent than most of those guys. You could make, make an argument for 
Pete Gasol, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think Jaw um, has more talent. But yeah, what? How much more? You know, how is is yeah. he really an elite guy? Is Sports Center you know jamming him down my throat to make me think he's the elite guy? I don't know. Um, I think you hate to talk about. It. I think it's certain at some point the explosion that Jaw has and how he lands after that explosion a lot of the time it, it starts to add up and for you know zion williamson at 270 pounds it added up a lot quicker for him yeah. um but yeah anytime it can happen to anyone and i think you you're only increasing your likelihood uh for that happening when you play as exciting as jaw does yeah so yeah they you you might be right on that and so maybe that's a, a warning for OKC to be more patient and look at it as a three-year timeline to try and attain that. Um, if everyone buys in, awesome. That's great. My only worry is if you don't try and win next year, are Lou Dort and Kenrich Williams on this team in two years? Um, are you taking a step back when you don't have those elite role players anymore? Um, you know, What are you looking at team-wise? Are you losing your high-end role players and you're you know you're retooling with high ceiling guys like chet and you know whoever we might be able to acquire next year in the draft so that would be the only concern with that um at a certain point you know you're not going to be able to afford anything better than what you have down the road lou Dort's probably going to get paid um probably more than you think he should whenever that contracts up eventually you're going to have to pay Josh Giddy too. We think he's going to be worth a good contract. If he is a max player by then, then that's a good sign. Um, but if he's a guy that you are giving a max contract to, but he's not max talent yet, that's uh, where it gets concerning and you're putting a lot into projection there. So it'll, uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I guess, I guess the thing I would say that I think the Thunder, that I like where the Thunder stand, because I think every player on the team really genuinely seems to like Oklahoma City a lot. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I think, you know, I think Giddy wanted to be in Oklahoma City. I think Chet, that's who he wants to draft. Him. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. think Jabari Parker would probably, not Jabari Parker, Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith. Yeah. I think Jabari Smith probably would love to be in Oklahoma city, you mm-hmm. know, and, and not to say that they're, they're going to give them like this huge discount or anything, but I, you know, I think that guys like that might be more willing to be patient for mm-hmm. the process. And, and I think, I think Sam Presti is a really effective general manager in creating an environment where everybody's like pulling the same way, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, you know, I think part of, you know, us as Thunder fans, we're, we're always going to be a little bit scarred by how the Kevin Durant situation turned out. Mm. Um, but if you really think about, you know, if the Thunder are in that position again with just a, literally a different person, it probably goes their way and they resign. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the thing we, we know about Kevin Durant is like that dude just does his own thing. You know, like he's just he's just Kevin Durant. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't think most guys would have made the decision he made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you can plan your future just thinking, oh, that's, you know, Shay is going to be the exact same way. Shay might want to be here forever. You know right. what I mean? Josh Giddy might want to do the same thing. So, um, 
I, you know, I think, and I think that's honestly something the Thunder have looked for in draft prospects is, you know, they've, they've drafted a lot of international guys. Who are the guys that have started signing supermaxes with small markets? It's, it's Nikola Jokic, it's Giannis. Luca looks like he's going to do the same thing. Like mm-hmm. it's the European, it's the international players. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Thunder have, have really kind of started leaning that direction. And so I don't know. I'm kind of going into this next phase, just assuming that things are not going to go as unluckily and poorly as it did the last time that we had elite players on the team. Yeah, absolutely. That, that hopefully is a continuing trend. Like you said, yeah, it seems like there've been a lot of guys in this draft and I'm in a little bit of an echo chamber because I don't see all the beat writers from other teams and whatnot, but I see a lot of people, you know, Jabari Smith's team, you know, his uh, high school coach, you know, his, he's, there are rumors that, you know, he'd love to be drafted by OKC. You saw him, you know, Sam Presti was picking him up at the airport when he landed at Will Rogers. Um, Shaden Sharp is in, you know, TikTok comments responding with eyeball emojis to people saying he should go to the Thunder. The rumors are he's not working out for other teams. He wants the Thunder to draft him. Um, is this a long-term thing? thing. Yeah. 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 Chet's same thing. Is this a long-term thing? Is it, these guys know that it's an obviously awesome spot to develop and then they want to be somewhere down the road, uh, somewhere else down the road. You hope not. You hope that they're not just using OKC as a farm team to get their max contract. Well, in at the, the same future. time, though, e- even if that's the case, that's still like a positive outcome for the Thunder yeah. in terms of like, you know, even if top prospects aren't willing to aren't all going to be willing to stay here um, once they hit unrestricted free agency, like if the understanding is that this is a good place to be drafted by and this is a good place to develop and grow as a player, then that's like, that's a reputation Oklahoma city can use and like have good young players. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and this I is, don't this is... ultimately think that all of them will bolt for LA at the mm-hmm. first chance, but even if some of them do, then that's okay. Still. Yeah. And this is also part of the, the genius of Sam Presti um and something you know a lot of i've no i've recognized more as i've gotten older and stopped playing 2k um but these are people at the end of the day these are people you're dealing with and as an nfl fan um i love the baltimore ravens and i've seen the ravens have done this for years that the way especially when you're a small market like okc the way you're gonna have to attract talent is to just to be a well-run organization and the right players will see that eventually. And, you know, even when we get guys, Al Horford, Chris Paul that are good here could maybe help us. Sam Presti has always done right by them. Um, The organization, I can't think of a single player. They've really spurned anytime a player wanted to leave Sam Presti got them in the most favorable situation for them. He could. And a lot of times, yeah, it's overlapped with, OKC getting incredible value back but you know he re-signed Paul George because he told him yeah if you want to go to LA and this is blown up I'll send you to LA and he did that he got Russell Westbrook uh, you know where he wanted to go at the time Al Horford Chris Paul all these guys I mean he gave Kemba Walker 30 million dollars to not play so thanks Clay Bennett for finally you know opening up your paycheck or your checkbook and letting Sam Presti do what he wants with it but he's always done right by everyone and that you know, that's going to come to fruition someday. You know, Shea got his max deal. One of those, these young talents we're talking about, it's going to get their max deal, whether they all want to stay in Oklahoma City or not long-term. 
at least one of them is going to get paid by Oklahoma City. So you'll you'll get good level talent sticking around just because, yeah, they want to come to OKC in the first place. They'll get there and see it's a great spot for me to be basketball wise. Um, maybe this is a, a sociological debate for a different day, but I think, you know, the the level of social media these days maybe helps Oklahoma City. Um, you know, people see you can be a massive star regardless of where you are. You don't have to be in the biggest TV markets. Yeah, it helps. But you can be in the best basketball situation for yourself. And if you're a good player, you know, people are going to follow you on Instagram regardless. Um, so that that might play into OKC's favor favor where you can, you know, you can just pick the best basketball situation for yourself. And maybe as you know, more Gen Zers get into the league, they they realize the value of themselves versus the value of you know the the area that I'm living in for five months out of the year. So can we just so we're gonna do a kind of a mock draft, mm-hmm. just just the lottery. But before we do that, can we talk about kind of what what we want, to, like what we would kind of like to see the Thunder come away from this draft with? Um, is are there guys, and and we're probably mostly going to be talking about twelve because I think there's like two, there's three guys that we could talk about at two. Um, so who do you prefer it to? If we had the pick of anyone, who would you like it to? Um, and then a couple guys at twelve that you you hope either fall there or we the thunder just identify that they really like mm-hmm. um so i think I'm, I'm still on team chet at two i just think um like she said he wants to be here that's a big plus i think any of the top three guys would be fine um i think okc has the biggest um, um biggest benefits not the right word but they they'd be the best place they theoretically will be able to get the most out of chet over Orlando or Houston where they can be patient with him and give him time. Um, and I think Chet's high end is bigger than Jabari's or Palos. So that's why I would want him in OKC for two. Um, either of you guys have takes on two. Yeah. Team Chet as well. Um, you know, I think, you know, I just think, keep thinking about like low end outcomes, like median outcomes and high end outcomes for him. And like, you know, I feel like the low end outcome is, you know, it's, it could suck. Like, I mean, he could never be strong enough to really do much, but even the low end outcome is probably like a stretch four that can help weak side rim protect. Mm-hmm. That's still fine. You know, like mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's not a bad player to have because I think he's mobile enough to guard most force. You know, I, I don't think that would be a huge issue. Median outcome is like go bear with, the three-point shot which people have been talking about that for a while you mm-hmm. know except for you know he's probably he's more mobile than Gobert. um that's a great player to have like even if that's just how it goes like that's a building block for your team and then high-end outcome is just like best defensive player in the league that can also you know take advantage of almost any five off the dribble and create shots and you know like he's talking about being a 50 40 90 shooter like that's that'd be a pretty high end outcome. And if you got a guy like that, then yeah, you're, you're pretty much set for however long he's here at the center position. Yeah. Um, I'm also currently team chat. I really like Paolo. I, I can't stress enough that I really like Paolo, but at the end of the day, I think about which player I'm willing to see go to the rockets 
And if Chet goes to the Rockets and succeeds, I'm going to be livid. So it's Chet for me. I think mm-hmm. I like. I think there's things to like about both of them. I think Paolo is a guy who could legitimately be. Um, and this is actually an interesting thing. And I think this is another situation where opinions on this have evolved. But last year's draft podcast, we talked, Alex. So like two, three years ago, two years ago, we were Shea is a third option on a championship team. And then last year we said Shea's a second option on a championship team. And I think if you still think Shea is a second option, I think Powell is a guy who could be a number one scoring option in the NBA uh, on a high level playoff team. Um, mm-hmm. But Chet is just, I think Chet does ultimately fit more with what Oklahoma city has always tried to be, which is a defense first team that prioritizes effort and mentality. Um, and I think he's, um, I just think he has the opportunity to be something really special. And so does Paolo. But for me, it's, yeah. I'm team chat. Yeah. Fuck, that's why I, fuck I'm Jabari Smith. <laughs> that's why I just I, can't I don't get like excited the... about Jabari Smith. He's yeah. going to be good too. Unless, mm-hmm. I mean, he goes to a horrible situation, which he might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm, I just hate that the Rockets got the third pick because I, I also agree. I think Paolo could be a you know number one scoring option on a good team and i hate for houston to receive that um i'm hoping that all of their pieces because he, he definitely doesn't i don't think he fits as well uh with jalen green and um who else do they even have i, I don't think he really fits with shangun um they well, got rid they- of christian woods so i guess that's probably opening up a spot for paolo yeah the thing about Paolo in Houston is that if he goes to Houston, which I think everyone seems to assume is what is going to happen at this point, he will never be a good defender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I, I should have said, I think his, his offensive skill set does work with Jalen Green and um, Shingun. I hope that, you know, in a, a place with a little less structure like Houston than OKC, I hope he doesn't realize that while he's there i hope the best for him i don't want the best for him to happen while he's in houston um because he is a very good passer i hope that he just gets the same mentality and they're all just chunking taking iso shots the whole time um and hopefully he he likes doing that because he could probably score 20 points a game like that and i think it wouldn't make a difference for houston um and that would be a fine outcome for me i am nervous about them getting palo though but you gotta gotta be happy with the guy you get and yeah, I want that to be chat for us. Yeah. Well, Alex brought up that. I mean, presumably the projected starting lineup would have Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., um, Paolo, and Shengun. And mm-hmm. that team can't defend at any position. Mm-hmm. Well, that that yeah. is also only four guys, but that's true. Um, <laughs> it's uh, which it I, again, by. it's very difficult I find to defend if you're only playing four guys. Yeah. Um, for sure. This is why they got to bring in Jovic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then for 12, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys I like at 12. Would love Jeremy Sohan. That's who Kevin O'Connor at the ringer has uh, mocked to the Thunder at 12. I don't think he's still going to be there at 12. I think you're going to have to trade up with like Portland at seven to get Sohan. Um, but you never know. Someone's got to fall. I mean, a lot of the guys in that range, Dyson Daniels, um, Maybe Shaden Sharp falls there. Hopefully, you don't have to trade up for him. Um, you know, you'll we'll see what what 
what is available there, but any, any wing like that, um, I would love to get at 12. Um, I kind of also like Tari Easton. I think maybe 12 is a little bit high for him, but I really like the player and I think it would be fine to take him there. So the thing I'll say with, with like Tari Easton at 12 is that I think that, you know, the NFL draft, I think it's pretty team. I think the, the mock drafts do a pretty nice job of kind of determining value, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, that guy was a, second round projection and goes late first or something. I don't think they really know anything in the end. Yeah. You know, like last year, Josh Primo went 12, you know, and he was like maybe a late first guy going into the draft. Like, so like, you know, if you want Tari Eason, which I think he's a good, I like Tari Eason too. Like taking him at 12 is, is fine in my, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause yeah, you might trade down to 16 thinking he's going to get there and then, you know, Charlotte takes him, you know what I mean? So, and that's, that's the benefit of having so many picks stacked up is like, it's at a certain point, there's diminishing value on them. So yeah, I'm always typically, you know, team trade back, get value, but is it that much value for OKC to trade back anymore? Not as much. So you can, you can afford to reach on guys a little bit and you you know, fuck the nerds and you know, I'm going to take a little, eat a little bit of value on this and take the guy I want. Right. What's well, like last year's draft? Like, I don't think any of us have an issue with getting uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 32, even though mm-hmm. we had to trade two picks to get him. Yeah. We got a pretty, we got a solid rotation big. Yeah. I don't, I personally don't have any issues with drafting Trey Mann at 18. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't have, most people had him in the 20s. And I don't have any problem getting Giddy at six. You know, like Memphis traded up to 10 last year to get him at 10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the Warriors apparently were, there's a you know, big rumor that he, they wanted him a lot. Like, so, you know, just take the guys you believe in and, you know, hopefully they turn out good. So, mm-hmm. um, Ryan, who do you like at 12? Um, I really like Sohan at 12. I really hope that happens. Um, I also, um, I am interested in if AJ Griffin falls there, which is entirely possible. I, I kind of like the idea of taking AJ Griffin. Because he's just, first off, he's so young. And for him to be as physically developed as he is and as young as he is and as good a shooter as he is, like the fact that he is currently an abysmal defender um, is like there's room for that to improve because he's so young. So I like A.J. Griffin there. Um, And, of course, Jeremy Sohan, who we talked about before. Like, I think... We just watched Draymond vindicate himself after playing god-awful for the first half of the finals, actually playing pretty good um, and really good in game six to seal it. Um, the value of a guy who can defend one through five and like can't shoot but makes his presence known on the offensive end in other ways, that's, a, that's an important player for a team to have. And Jeremy Sohan is like that feels like the thing he's going to be able to do more than anything. Also, he's going to be another guy. We talked last, last pod, we talked about how Chet Holmgren is a bit of a motherfucker. Uh, Jeremy Sohan is a bit of a Mm -hmm. motherfucker. (laughs) And so having two of those guys in the front court is going to make a lot of people very upset and it's not going to be Thunder fans. Yeah. If, If we get, you know, all these motherfuckers on the team, I just hope that they are, you know, the kind of, 
lovable motherfuckers that competition appreciates their competitors and not what Memphis is turning into where, yeah, they are these motherfuckers on the court, but they're also like actively tweeting and talking shit to the golden state warriors who did just win the championship. And I, I don't want that. Like, you know, once you're on the court, you know, get locked in, get that mindset going. But you know, once you've lost, you know, don't, yeah. don't uh, be delusional with being a motherfucker anymore. Uh, but yeah, I would love, uh, that would be a hard ass team with Chet Holmgren and Jeremy Sohan. Yeah. Um, one last thing about Tari Eason. Um, I, and this is the thing where I, I just, I really want Sam Vecini's draft guide to be out because the two text breakdowns I've got in front of me are from John Hollinger and Kevin O'Connor. And I don't like either of them nearly as much as I like Vecini as analysts, but they concur that he kind of plays like a dumbass. Yeah. And I don't think that fits with the Thunder what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love Sohan. Um, I would be willing to trade up for him. I think he, he yeah. him and Shet. I think long, he's the kind of guy you should be willing to trade up to seven four. Yeah, long term fit with Chet as a as a four at the four and the five. Like that could just be like absolutely elite defensively. Um, and I think I don't think he's a bad offensive player. Like he can't shoot right now, but he can do other stuff offensively. Yeah, um, he's not Andre Robertson. You know, he's not Houston or whatever you know, on offense. So like that's. That would be great. With that said, I want Shaden Sharp because um, I have I have a little I have a secret um, that I haven't divulged. <laughs> yes, a secret. I haven't divulged yet on this on this podcast. Um, and that secret is that you know, long term, if 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 Shaden Sharp hits, I would I would trade Shay. Man, if you if you have if Sharp hits the way he can. And you have Giddy and Sharp. I don't think you need Shea. I think you need a guy that can defend better at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you need a bigger guy. Um, so that's my 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 hope in drafting Sharp would be that he could make Shea expendable. That and then sounds, you trade Shea for Paul George. And then you trade Shea for Paul George. <laughs> and then you're set. Like and then that, you've come full circle. Right, exactly. Um, that's like my like, you know, I like Shea. As long as he's here, I'm going to, you know, root for him. I, I think he's really good. Um, but I do kind of wonder, like, if if you're not better off with a with a bigger player, um, you know, if, if you've got a guy like Sharp as well, you know, so. That's yeah, just yeah, my... and that would, like we were talking earlier about, you know, eventually you're going to have to get into Giddy potentially getting a max contract and, right. you know, you're running out of money. That helps reset the timeline. You get yeah. Shea's contract to someone else, and now – Giddy is your first uh, max contract. He's your highest paid player. And then you're, you're resetting what you can do with all that money. So yeah, if sharp hits, that would be amazing. We'll see if he's, you know, successfully tanking his value to 12 or if we have to go up to seven or so to get him, Um, he's still being projected very fairly highly. Uh, But like you said earlier, that's from analysts who know the upside. That's not from GMs with their ass on the line. You know? So if you draft this guy that, hasn't played basketball since he was in high school and then he sucks right away. No, there, there's, there's not a lot of billionaires that are going to be cool with that. Right. So um, there, there's the potential for him to fall there. It could, it could happen. I'd definitely be fine with that. Um, so do you want to uh, get into our mock drafting and see if Shaden it. makes it to 12 for us? Let's do it. Okay. So I think we decide that I would go first. 
Ryan will go second, even though we've already all kind of agreed we'd take Chet to the Thunder, and then Alex will go third. I think we kind of all are in agreement with how we would do this order. First, I'm going to go with Jabari Smith to Orlando. Um, okay, real, is this who you would take if you were the Magic? This is who I would take as well. Um, if, I, if I'm Orlando, if I'm in their shoes, find their GM, I would take Jabari Smith because I think he is the he's the most ready to go for them right now. I think they kind of need that. They've been, you know, OKC gets this shit for tanking so much and being an embarrassment to the league when we were in the playoffs two seasons ago. Um, to be fair, so were the Magic. Yeah. Um, but the Magic, they they and I don't think they should have to speed up their clock. But that that playoff season the Magic had, that was their ceiling that they reached um, of recent years. And I think they just need to get guys to play and win. I think Jabari is that. I think he fits well with anybody. Any team would be happy with Jabari. Um, so yeah, I would, I would go with him first overall for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking chat <laughs> for all the reasons stated. Uh, okay. So I'm picking for the Rockets. I'm yes. taking, taking Jaden Ivey. Oh, oh man. look at this guy. Look at this yeah. guy. Can you I, believe this man? I specifically requested to be third because I wanted to make this pick for the Rockets. So why, in your opinion, should the Rockets take Jaden Ive? Um, well, firstly, I don't think that uh I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. matters long term for any team. But you know, the Rockets, whatever. Okay. But I fair, just, fair, fair. I like the idea so much of pairing Jaden Ivey and Jalen Green in the backcourt. Like, that's the most explosive athletic backcourt maybe mm-hmm. ever, probably ever, probably the most explosive backcourt of all time. Um, and I, I think that they could play off of each other and they would just be a nightmare to um, – I like Powell a lot, but defensively, if you've got a four or five, whatever he plays for them that can't defend, that's really hard to overcome. Whereas if, you know – I think Ivy can be a fine defender and it's, it's not that big a deal to have bad guard defenders as it is mm-hmm. having bigs that can't defend. So if I'm the Rockets, I'm looking at, at Ivy and green and I'm thinking that's, that could be an absolutely elite combo, like better, like a better version of if it hits a better version of like the John Wall Bradley. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's great. And you, uh, yeah, I'm, I would also be fine with, you know, cutting bait on, Kevin Porter Jr. I'm with you. I don't think Houston should be married to him. So that's that's a good pick. He Ivy is who I would have gone with at four for the Kings. I would have continued going chalk. I think that's a great pairing with De'Aaron Fox. Also, I think it's a better pairing with Tyrese Halliburton. But uh, Sacramento right. made their decision for how they wanted to go. So this is where they're at. Sam, um, but- uh, before you pick for Sacramento, the Detroit mm-hmm. Pistons have a trade offer for you <laughs> we will give you five jeremy grant and whatever else you want for four i mean if you're the kings you take that well i guess if if Paolo's on the board that's interesting um this is why this is why in this scenario detroit is making yeah. this offer um yeah yeah i know i'd have to like I'd have to go look at cap sheets and how much room do I have for Jeremy Grant? How many more years does he have? But that's, that's a good team as well. Darren Fox, uh, Sabonis and Jeremy Grant is a good team paired with whoever you get at five. Um, 
Yeah, why not? Let's let's have fun. I think you you take that. <laughs> I think you take that. As as great as I think Paolo would be uh, really good. I think he has a lot of overlap with Sabonis. Um, they kind of both have old man game, very good um, playmakers. Um, so I think he could pair well Sabonis and learn a lot from him and maybe get better on the defensive end. He's not going to have to do so much play creation on offense because that would be – I think that's one of his best skill sets. But I'll let you take him to Detroit. So talk about you. what's what's the fit with Cade? What's the fit with uh, – um, So you're looking at – I mean, with Detroit, it's about patience. Um, and at this point, now you have two big playmakers, shot creators – and you build around them and Sadiq Bay. Um, and it's just just an awesome place to be. Um, You're assuming... not, not including Hami Diallo in that core, huh? <laughs> Hami Diallo is a Sacramento king now. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I think if Houston takes Ivy at three and Paolo is on the board at four, if I'm Detroit, this is the call I make. I don't know yeah. if the Kings listen, but... I, I mean, if you were Detroit and you felt a five, you like you had to be so fucking mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but to suddenly have a shot at a guy who could be the best player in this draft, I I, I, I absolutely think this is what Detroit would do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that Detroit should be making calls right now to get to three to do that kind of thing, and Houston might you know tell them to piss off, and they're going to take Palo anyway. Um, Houston seems like they should maybe be interested in, you know, five and Jeremy Grant and a deal like that, especially, but I guess they, they got rid of Christian Wood probably in turn in, uh, with the purpose of rebuilding, but I think it's, um, yeah, it would be great for them because they really, you look at, at Detroit and they have, I mean, they have Cade Cunningham. I like Sadiq Bay a lot and that's really it. I think, yeah. you know, Killian Hayes. Is, that was a miss. Has, he, he's shown as much as Teo Maladon. I mean, I'm not ready to give up on Killian Hayes yet, but he is, he has not shown much in a couple of years. Isaiah Stewart is fine, um, but he's a traditional five, and that's fine as kind of ceiling for a guy like that. And that's really all you have there. So, yeah, they, they can be fine with sacrificing Jeremy Grant. They're trying to move him anyway and go get the best player. So you've taken Palo Bencaro at number four. I am the Sacramento Kings. Moving back to number five, having acquired uh, Jeremy Grant, obviously making a push for the playoffs. So since I'm making a push for the playoffs, I kind of want to, you know, you don't have to go high uh, ceiling. You're just trying to get a guy that can play. And that would be Keegan Murray for most people. I am not. And on Keegan Murray, I watched him. Maybe this is very biased because I bet on Iowa to beat Richmond, I believe. And I watched him get absolutely cooked on defense. Um, but I do not want Keegan Murray anywhere if I'm a GM. Certainly not in the top six. Um, man, this is tough now because I, I like – if I'm them, I have Jeremy Grant. I have DeMond Spones. I have Darren Fox. I have guys that can score. I think personally I'd go Jeremy Sohan at number five now. Um, I think he can play. I think he'd be a, a bad motherfucker for them and maybe try and slow some teams down. Um, other other considerations were Ben Matherin. We saw in the tournament kind of have a, a coming out party this year. It was very good. Um, Johnny Davis I like a lot. Um, but I think I'll, I'll go with Jeremy Sohan at five. Um, that brings it around – 
to me. Yes. So since you didn't take Keegan Murray, I'm going to go ahead and take Keegan Murray because I think he is the most pacer of all time. Um, yeah. But I also, I also really just like the fit with Miles Turner. I think a situation where offensively you might be able to invert their roles a little bit and play Murray kind of more in the post a little bit and space out with, with Miles Turner. I think that could be kind of fun. Um, and Murray, he has some foot speed issues defensively, but I think he's a smart defender. Um, so maybe the fact that you have one of the best room protectors in the league um, helping out, that could kind of mitigate some of issues that, that Murray brings. So I'm going to go with, with Keegan Murray on the Pacers at six. Back to Ryan. No, it's back, oh, it's to, back Sam. to Sam. Uh, back to me. So, yeah, since I have, I'm in that one four seven slot. So I am the Portland Trailblazers now. Um, let's see. This depends um, how much you want to keep with Dame. Um, if you plan on keeping Dame uh, long term. If you're trying to rebuild around the guy you draft here and Anthony Simons, not a great spot to be building around, really. Um, who all did, did Portland make any moves this offseason? They still have Nurkic. Um, what is, who does Portland even have? Um, they do have Nurk. I mean, he's a free agent, but mm-hmm. most, most people, I mean, I think we need to go about this. Like the, the Blazers are trying to win around Dane. Yeah. So I think, I think with that, that? I think I go Dyson Daniels. Um, So I think you want to, you want to start Simons with Dame. He's your new CJ McCollum. You try and score a lot. Um, So there's not really room. Matherin doesn't fit there. He's a little small. He can't get in the starting lineup with that. Um, Keegan Murray would be a good spot there, but I think I'm going to go with the, the wing I like the most and that's Dyson Daniels. Okay. I really like Dyson Daniels to the Pelicans here. Um, so that's very sad for me. Um, I think, you know, the Pelicans, you're looking to add Zion into a playoff caliber roster, arguably. I don't know. Maybe last year was a fluke. Um, you want a guy who can play with CJ, with Ingram, and with um, Zion. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing because you'd also, I mean, the emergence of Herb Jones, you'd like to accommodate that if at all possible. Right. But you look at the guys on the board right now. Um, I, I I have a suggestion. I'll let you, you know, don't I mean, want to I, step I on am actually interested in hearing what you say. Here. I kind of think Johnny Davis would be great here um, with that lineup. I, you know, I agree. You know, there was a part of me that was almost like Jalen Duran, but um, <laughs> I don't think that makes sense because I think. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, yeah, I think, like, I think maybe Johnny you have Davis, faith in Zion shooting, but yeah. I don't have that much faith in Zion shooting. Um, yeah. So I, I like Johnny Davis. Real true, kind of a, you don't have kind a real true one there, and that's guy. fine. Um, yeah, just uh, just worked his ass off in Wisconsin. I think, yeah, Johnny Davis for the Pelicans. You know, this is a team that's ready to win, and this is a guy who's, you know, not really a not really a project guy. Somebody who probably comes in and defines themselves in a season yeah johnny davis to the pelicans at eight okay at least be with the spurs at nine and i'm gonna go with alex you're very quiet right now by the way am i is this better it is okay um i'm gonna go with aj griffin at nine because 
you know, just looking at the Spurs roster, um, you know, I think, you know, DeJounte Murray, not the greatest shooter in the world, probably needs, you know, some guys to help him out from a space standpoint. I also think that, you know, there's a scenario where, I mean, AJ Griffin's body is, you know, he's 6'6", 225, 230. Like that guy's going to be able to play some four. Um, And I think you could play him a lot with Keldon Johnson at the three and the four. Um, And, you know, just the shooting and hopefully, you know, he gains a little bit of the athleticism back. And I trust the Spurs to develop him a little bit as a defender. Um, So I really like the fit of AJ Griffin with the Spurs. Yeah, that's that's a uh, fair. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see their direction as Pop nears retirement. They still don't have, I guess. Yeah, they have Dejounte. Is he a is he a star? Is he a number one, or do they need to swing for Dejounte to be a number two? Um, we'll see uh, where they go with that. But for me, I am up with the Wizards, who may be trying to replace, same as uh, Portland, maybe trying to replace Brad Beal, or maybe trying to put something around him to win he's 28 so he's still fairly young um you forget how long i'm brad beal he's been in the league for 10 years almost but geez um so i think that you're probably they've shown to want to build around him is he a free agent no he's okay everybody is he one year left thinks he's he's gonna sign an extension this this offseason so. okay so you're you're planning on building around brad beal the, the comp for Shaden Sharp in the Ringer draft guide is tall Bradley Beal. Um, if you're going to build around Bradley Beal, I don't think you want a project like that. So I'm going with Ben Matherin for Washington. I think he fits well with Brad Beal. I think um, he can kind of score for the second unit. When Brad Beal is sitting, I think he pairs alongside him well at the same time. And I think he's he's ready to win. Like we saw in the tournament, he's just – there, he's a great player. Um, so yeah, I'm going with with Ben Matherin. Uh, I that, uh, they have Kristaps Porzingis now too. Oh, oh that's yeah, true. <laughs> I forgot about that as well. Jeez. Um, I'm picking for the Knicks. Um, I Alex is on pins and needles right now because this is picking. He's just waiting Shaden for Shaden Sharp. Here's the thing, though. I don't know what the Knicks want. What do the Knicks want out of life at this point? They thought they were good last year, and they were wrong. Um, I think, I mean, there's an argument, maybe you let Mitchell Robinson walk or something and you pick up Jalen Duran and you say that's an upgrade, but I think that'd be stupid. Um, I, you know, I, I think the Knicks take Tari Eason here. Fine. I'll make, I'll make Alex happy, but also I think there's a degree to which like, you know, the Knicks feel like a team that would say, Oh, he's got that dog in him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this what you would do for the Knicks? I don't really know what I would do for the Knicks. I would probably take Shaden Sharp here. Um, Okay. So we'll, we'll go with that. We'll say the Knicks take Shaden Sharp. I don't know if that makes sense. I get like you put him next to RJ Barrett and it's just like, who, who needs point guards where we don't do that here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess the Knicks, you take, they take Shaden Sharp and he, you know, he busts massively because he went to New York. Right. Yeah. That, that super would not work. Uh, <laughs> if that's how it but, but at this, like, given that I do not see an obvious direction the roster needs to go, I think you if, probably have to take yeah. best player available, if, which if I do you, think is Shaden Sharp. If you let Shaden Sharp play in the G League for a year and then you get rid of Julius Randle, 
2023. Um, I think, I think it could work, but yeah, as far as, you know, shade and sharp needing development, where is arguably the worst place to develop? Um, the Knicks don't exactly have the track record of that, no. but I think, you know, I think he could be fun with, with RJ Barrett and, but yeah, the Knicks would, I, I don't think anyone's going to be a, a good pick for the Knicks. So, you know, what are, what are you to do? Um, so this just completely screwed me because every player that I like is now off the board. Well, that's what happens when you tell us to pick the players we like. <laughs> I, I know we all, we all agree. Um, I think while, while you think of that, I think there is a, a reasonable, you know, where we did this. I, I would have considered Jalen Duran at 10 for the Wizards because I know centers aren't the biggest thing, biggest need in the world. But I think having a guy like that next to Kristaps and let Kristaps play the foursome, maybe that could, you know, that's kind of my philosophy with Chet is putting a just a massive guy like that with him. Probably something Chris of him. needs more than Chet, even uh, given his current mm-hmm. physical state. Yeah, um, um, I, so I do I, think that makes sense. I yeah. also think then, that if Shaden Sharp was on the board at eleven, New York is getting a call from a man named Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but so anyway, I, Alex, that's not how it fell. So who would you take at number twelve now for the Oklahoma City Thunder? All right, I'm going to go with Dalen Terry. I, I hear a lot about Dalen Terry, and I haven't got to you know read too much or watch too much on. So tell me about Dalen Terry. Seems so, to be a, a draft Twitter favorite. He definitely is. He's a guy that I've recently become acquainted with, and largely in my mind, I kind of think he's comparable to Dyson Daniels. Um, he's like a six foot seven point guard slash wing that you know he can handle it. He's a good passer. Um, you know, he's a questionable shooter, which, you know, shouts to the Thunder. That's, that's, that would be, you can't go a draft without having a guy like that. Um, and, you know, I just think that, you know, long-term, I think earlier we were talking about the Dort stuff, like how long is he going to last here? And I think Dalen Terry is the kind of guy that could come in and maybe even replace a guy like Dort in that, in that lineup. And then you've just got a lineup with, tons of ball handling tons of playmaking tons of skill um but i, I also think that that dale and terry is going to be able to defend pretty well at the next level and he's the guy if you know if he can shoot if he develops a shot um to a workable level then he's he's a really really good good player to have on your team so that's that's my guy for the thunder at 12 i was you know this close to getting shade but mm. and even yeah even in this exercise where we were, you know, taking players we like and we all like Shaden. Well, I guess we were, we were taking less projection and we were taking, you know, best fits for teams. Shaden still doesn't fall to 12. And so I think if we want Shaden, I think we're going to have to trade up a little bit for him. Um, so we don't know what all is going on inside 30 very fancy offices, but um, I think that's that's what's gonna have to happen if you want a guy like Shaden or Sohan or I whoever. More, I think it's more likely that Sohan would fall to twelve than Shaden. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because inevitably someone will talk themselves into the the uh, you know mystery box that is Shaden Sharp, mm-hmm. and if not, someone's gonna say they are and hold that as leverage over OKC to where you have to trade up anyway. 
So for me, I have the Charlotte Hornets at 13, who also have the 15th pick. Um, so a lot of people are projecting center to them um, because that is a need uh, to you know get better, improve off of Mason Plumley, um, pair that with Miles Bridges and Lamelo Ball. And so because Jalen Duran and Mark Williams are both there, I think either of them would be fine for Charlotte to have. I'm not going to go with one of them. And I'm going to go with Malachi Branham from Ohio State. Interesting. Um, I think he's a good pick for the two for them. I think he plays really good defense. I think he can, he shoots the ball really well. Um, he can, you know, spot up. He can, I think he's a good fit with Lamelo and Miles Bridges and whatever center you pair with him that you draft at 15. That leaves me with the last lottery pick. The, um, I'm going to make pick 15, too, by the way, just so it's even. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I'm so... going to guess you won't go center because you don't love those. Even though at 15, I think if Jalen Duren's there, they sprint to the podium with him. That's why the Cleveland Cavaliers are. <laughs> just to, just to spite Charlotte, they're going to, go, they're going to run an all-center lineup next year with Jalen Duren. No. Um, the Cavs here, this is an interesting thing. Um, what would the Cavs do in this situation? So you've got, you know, I actually think Tar Eason makes some sense for the Cavs here. Um, because he's a guy, you know, it'd be a situation where he's not running the show, right? So his wild tendencies on both sides of the ball, I think, are tempered a bit by being with guys like Darius Garland and um Evan Mobley. Um, I and you know, with the Evan Moby Jarrett, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen backstop. Like you've got like, because one thing about Tari Eason was that he was just so disruptive on defense. And that was like LSU's whole deal is they were just like, we're trying to get a steal on every play. And that's like, I think like his role as a guy whose job is to just go and mess things up on the defensive end. I think that works really well with what Cleveland does. Cause you've got, you've also got Isaac Okoro, um, so, yeah, I, I say Tari Eason for Cleveland. Yeah. I like it. I forgot that you didn't take him for um, the Knicks, but I still like uh, Malachi Branham for Charlotte. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jalen Duran um, because they have LaMelo, and for me it would just be so fun to watch Miles Bridges and Jalen Duran catching LaMelo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, and they, they need a center. I think Duran, I think there's some potential upside, you know, maybe the college game just didn't fit him very well because he was a, he was a top five guy. I think he was the number one guy in his class at least. So mm-hmm. like there is some upside um, that maybe just didn't quite get shown this year. Memphis was not a good situation this year. Uh, the point guard play specifically. I mean, they were playing the Monty Bates at point guard for part of the year. And shouts to Monty Bates, but um, so yeah, I think that having a guy like Lamelo unlocking things offensively for Jalen Duran could be really nice. And then defensively, you know, he's what they need. They need somebody that can can possibly play defense, and that's that could be. Yeah, I think I think there's a real possibility that Jalen Duran just becomes like the platonic ideal of Clint Capella. Yeah. 
It's like, I don't really think he's going to develop a sophisticated post game, but in a spread pick and roll system, he's going to feast on his athleticism, on his leaping ability. Yeah. And I think, and I think much stronger than Capella also. Yeah, Yeah. that as well. So that's, that that's, I mean, that's a good player. That's a valuable player, especially on a rookie contract late in the lottery. Well, this is, yeah, this is post lottery at this point. Mm -hmm. True. True. um, So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, you know, from the Thunder's perspective, I think there would be some disappointed people if they came away with with Chet Holmgren and Dalen Terry. Mm. Um, but it's just kind <laughs> I of. I think there'd be a lot of who. Yeah, <laughs> I think the reality of the situation is that unless, basically, unless Jalen Duran or Tari Eason or somebody get picked, you know, top eleven, you know, the Thunder might be left with with a group of guys that we, that we're not big fans of. And, and one of the guys that's been projected to the thunder a lot that I don't think, you know, I personally didn't consider and we didn't wind up picking was Usman Jane. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of out on the idea. Yeah. I, like I mean, that, that's, that's a very, I like him. That's a very obvious sign that you do not care about next year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. Do we have anything else we want to go through? I mean, we yeah. Have- do we want to just like give some quick names for who we'd like the thunder to take at the end of the first early second, just so a year from now, and one of them's good. And we've said, you know, nine names that we can say, Oh, I see. I told you so forget the other eight guys. I said, so the guy that I really want at 34 is Kenneth Lofton. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, guys go watch Kenneth Lofton. Take. I, I will guarantee you Kenneth Lofton jr. Will be a G league star. It's going to be awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I really want Gabriel Prachita. Um, Gabriel Prachita. I do not even know the name. I've he heard the name. deep into the weeds. He's an Italian wing. Love it. Um, six foot seven, 194 pounds. Parent, like, you know, every, everyone says he's a really, really high level athlete, um, mm-hmm. especially for a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, long athletic can shoot it too like he you know to me that sounds like three and d wing to me so mm-hmm. um and he's italian i think the thunder like i, I could just definitely see the thunder taking this guy because mm-hmm. he's, he's an international prospect like it it makes total sense yeah john john hollinger agrees with you oh really yeah john hollinger has him at 33 on his big board and specifically cited um okc memphis and san antonio as teams with extra picks and might also take an international guy. All three of those guys are super, all three of those teams are super smart. So yep. it makes yeah. sense. I like it's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. I have, I have a couple. Yeah. I just want to say that I am out on Patrick Baldwin jr. Here, but I would yeah. understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm fine taking him in the second. I think that's a, a great value in the second. I think they're the, He's no different from Shaden Sharp. If Patrick Baldwin Jr. just didn't play at all this year, he's still a lottery pick. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're getting value. Yeah, you've seen bad sides of him, but you can easily chalk that up that he played at Milwaukee and his teammates sucked. And, yeah, that was that. So I'd be fine with him, you know, at 34. Don't give up real capital for him, but I'm good with that. Um, I, I personally, Alex is all out on this. But that late in the draft, I'm fine with Walker Kessler. Um, I think, like I said, take a true five next to Chet. Um, someone that just eats body blows in the regular season, keeps him healthy. 
that is a badass defensive lineup because Chet can easily cover fours, and then you get him um, in his strongest skill set as backside help. Um, and Walker Kessler can more than hold his own as a five. Um, and Chet's guy's more, you know, off in the corner a little bit. He can be helps help defense. Um, I think Walker Kessler is an elite defender, and that's good value for a center there at the end. Uh, Christian Brown from Kansas is getting a lot of hype. He might go too early now. I think um, he could be a scoring type that the Thunder could get at that point. Um, who else? I mean, there's there's a ton of guys that I like. Harrison Ingram a lot from Stanford. I think he has good upside. Um, ba, ba, ba. Let me, let, me throw, let me throw a couple names out. Go ahead. Um, I don't like, there's been a lot of talk that he might be gone by the, you know, even the twenties, but I, I really like the idea of Max Christie, um, mm-hmm. Michigan state. You know, I think he's got all the tools to be a three and D two, three type guy. So he shot it. He can shoot it. He can, he played defense at Michigan state. Like he's a guy that projects well, in that regard and then you know if we're talking swings you know why not go go after a guy like josh minot super athletic yeah that was who I was, I was trying to come up with josh minot yeah you know like i don't i personally think the thunder probably are more in the mindset of of taking their swings early in the draft and then looking for like very specific role type guys at this mm-hmm. point um but minot is interesting and then one more for me Trevor Keels. That's that was the name I was about to say after you said Minot. Yeah, Keels to me, he's got you know he he looks like Lou Dort. Like if you just look at him, like he's a thick thick guy that. Uh, but I also think he might be able to kind of do a lot of what Dort does. But he's probably he might project as a better offensive player than yeah. Dort. So that's, so essentially have Lou Dort train his own replacement. Right. You know, I mean, we've we've talked multiple times in this podcast about maybe Dort not being long for the Thunder. So you may as well get the next Lou Dort in here. You know, if you can get another Lou Dort at 34, I think you're you're pretty happy with yourself. Any anyone from you, Ryan, you have any names? Uh, No, I'm curious to know, Sam, how do you feel about you've been a big Walker Kessler guy for what feels like years now. Um, But um. Walker, how, how do you feel about Walker Kessler versus Christian Coloco? I was thinking about that, and I was um, I thought that might have been where you're going, and I was going to look up how big Christian Coloco is. I feel I like Coloco a lot. Is he a bit skinnier than Walker Kessler? I believe um, he's he looks listed, skinnier. I'm seeing him listed at 6'10", 230. So he's he's a smaller. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, and Walker Kessler is only listed at I think two thirty five. I think, but he just seems bigger um so that's why it's specifically you know the pairing with chet i want a bigger center that can mm-hmm. take the blows i think cloco would be good as well i think he's the kind of center um that is worth taking at the end of the first early second as well um don't like him as much with chet though i think he'd be better he'd be a better offensive weapon than kessler for sure as far as you know rim running catching logs that kind of thing more of like a clink Capella type have y'all heard the reports that Coloco is shooting threes in workouts? Yes. Well, there you go. I have heard it. Draft Put him, him in the lottery then. Take him at 12. Yep. Draft him. Yeah. I do um, like Coloco. Well, if we're talking centers, I got to throw out Ishmael Kamagate 
as well, just because I think he's a better athlete than either of those guys that we just talked about. Yeah. And he's younger. So that's, you know, he's a rim runner type guy. So what if instead of drafting a center, we just got EJ Onu from the Memphis G League? <laughs> there you go. God, you want, you still, still bringing up EJ Onu, huh? Wow. Uh, is he good? Probably not. Is he really, really fucking tall? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he, uh, he's tall. He runs fast, and he shoots the three. Yeah. Does he make good decisions? I. It, it's not important. <laughs> cool. Well, well, does anyone have any lasting takes? I think I gotta go pretty soon. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're. I think we're wrapping up, um, folks. Draft is this Thursday, and I still can't believe Sam Vecini's guide isn't out. It's really. It's really making me pretty upset um but you know watch enjoy it's gonna be a really exciting night i think for thunder fans and yeah you will have reactions to it at some point i'm sure um yeah thanks for listening to the podcast uh subscribe to us on the apple podcasts the google play store um spotify um and we'll see you guys later